Hour number two, kicking off here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Let's hit some things we might have missed from the night before, Sam. Thanks, John. About last night. You're welcome. We have... TCU right now is the school that uh, Madden is projected to. Huh. Interesting. Nico's brother. Very interesting. Yeah, at least on on three. Like I mean, it's like it's a slight lean. Yeah. But it's like TCU and SMU Certainly. are kind of the the two schools that are linked right now. I wondered if, uh, and then we'll get to you, Sam. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're good, you're but uh, I wonder if uh, I've always wondered this, and I'll throw it out there: if why they named him Madden was it maybe Madden the football game? I, I, I don't have that information. I don't know. I'd like to know. Maybe maybe we could get Titans Bill on and talk about that the origin of his name and get to the bottom of it yeah all right i'm I'm sure it'll be asked at some point but i don't know i don't i don't know if i know any other people with the first name madden that's why that's yeah i there's maybe there's some family tie or something okay sam (laughs) um our tennessee quarterback he's uh he's an award winner guys we have a uh we've got an award winner at the senior bowl joe milton former tennessee quarterback has won the inaugural good guy award at the senior bowl uh, presented yearly to the senior bowler who was just a great guy behind the scenes. Yeah, we've talked about this. Um, that's, uh, as a matter of fact, there were some, <laughs> some of the scouts were saying as um, a plus when they were watching him at the senior bowl uh, or media that was covering, you know, representing NFL teams, that he seems to be an attentive listener to his coaches and, positive impact on the sideline. So the good guy awards another feather in his cap um, for somebody to take a chance on him, I guess. Look, it was the reason he got to be the starting quarterback at Tennessee right. the second go-around. It's because he was a good guy and the teammates liked him. That's why. And there's a lot worse things than being said you're you're a good dude. That's so, uh, you know, that congratulations, actually. That's, you know, as far as going and navigating real life, that's probably uh, – that's probably a good strong skill to have. That's a good asset. Well, it, it'll also probably help him keep a job in the NFL. Yeah. Let's say yeah. he'll have a chance to to be a a career backup if he is affable and gets along with people and and teammates like him and coaches like him and he's deemed as a hard worker. Because I mean you, you could probably put him on a lot of scout teams for your NFL in terms of dealing with some quarterbacks with with mobility and size. Now, I know it doesn't really translate to his playing style. But, like, if, if he is able to say, like, hey, i, I got to play this way in practice to help people get prepared for Josh Allen or somebody and, you know, just showing the arm strength of covering deep balls down the field and whatnot. Like, I, I think he'd have a, a chance to, you know, make his five years and and have a chance to, you know, have his pension and, and do all that. I don't think he's going to ever be a starting quarterback in the NFL, no. obviously. But, like, if you told me he was a second or third stringer and – He's one of those guys that got to hold a clipboard and make a million dollars a year. Being liked in the locker room and being liked by coaches and scouts and all that for your personality and being easy to work with probably goes a long way for that. Absolutely. I think that there's, yeah, if you look around the NFL, just this season, some of the quarterbacks that were forced into action, you know, P.J. Walker, Tim Boyle, you know, it's like, could he be one of those guys that has to play here? And Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I could see that. Uh, some more Tennessee football news. Uh, Tennessee's linebacker coach, Brian John Marie, 
has reportedly been getting interest from Michigan as they are looking to fill their new coaching staff over there with Sharon Moore after Harbaugh is headed to the Chargers. Um, this report, it, it you know, it wasn't too too specific yesterday. It just said that he's emerged as a candidate and a target for a role similar on that uh, Michigan defensive staff. Uh, it's a guy who he was at Michigan prior to coming to Tennessee in 2020, had spent some time at UCF with Heupel before, and then went to Michigan. Um, obviously, Michigan's going to be coming in with a new coaching staff. They've got Wink Martindale now as their D.C., but they're trying to surround Sharon Moore with as many good coaches as possible. Tennessee might be losing their linebacker coach. Okay. That one, because we we've just been talking about this, right? We just talked about this yesterday about some potential defections from the, the coaching staff. When we were texting back and forth on this yesterday, Sam, you uh, to quote you, I think you said, this sucks. Yeah. So you feel like this one hurts more than the other one we just uh, – and I'm, the name escapes me now of what we were – the one we were just talking about. Jerry yesterday. Mack. Jerry, Jerry Mack. Mack yeah. Leaving, yeah. 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 You feel this one maybe hurts worse than Jerry Mack? Yeah, I mean, I to me just personally, I think losing anybody on your defensive staff right now is probably going to hurt a little bit more than anybody you can replace on your offensive staff, just kind of given Heupel's ability to be able to – construct an offense kind of in the way that he wants to do it but I mean it's a guy that had experience at Michigan and you know has been a high level coach so it's not the biggest loss in the world if you lost him but I think he's recruited some great guys to that position as well well I was gonna say our linebacker play I feel like it's been pretty solid I was gonna ask how recruiting overall has been at the linebacker position I mean it's because like you mean I know you get some of like the hybrid like you know outside linebackers that are more pass rushers of course and I was wondering like does, does he get credit for that or is that a a Garner thing, like a is, is yeah, Rodney that's probably more of guys. a Garner thing, right? Like I think guys like Arian Carter, like that freshman sure. that was playing, like I think that's a guy that's obviously recruited by him. You get like a Pilly in the transfer portal. Those Harry yeah, like, I don't know, if, I don't know if the relationship with Jean Marie is the reason why, or if that was like, hey, you know, Polynesian pipeline is, is what they keep calling it. Like Tennessee is doing well with Polynesian players yeah. right now, and like that's going to be a place where you know you, you saw. Keenan Pilly come from BYU and do that. And then, you know, you had the, the guy from Stanford do it as well. And I saw some other recruits. And, you know, like I said, the, the poly pipeline talk is, is real. And, mm -hmm. you know, that could be beneficial for Tennessee. But I don't know why Peely came to Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, he's been a pretty solid recruiter for us. Kind of just seems like. I just think there's plenty of linebacker coaches out there. Sure. But recruiting to me is probably the most important part of that job. Now you want somebody that you know can coach and 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 get those things, but linebackers. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I feel like linebackers are just more born versus bred. That's fair. Like elite linebackers, yeah. I, I feel that way. Like it, yeah. for me, like you have instincts. You're fast. You can get to the ball or not. Now, can you coach some guys up and you know maximize them and take them from like a a seventy to like a 77, 78 type of overall player? Sure, but like I don't know if coaching takes a guy that's like a ninety to a ninety. Five, like I feel like if you're in the '90s, you're just kind of have that ability, that mm -hmm. instinct, that speed. Yeah. And hopefully, like, if you're a good enough recruiter, you just get enough of those '90s and stack them up where you're always going to have good play. Fair, fair. Uh, some big news in terms of uh, some a new uh, TV contract, ESPN, and oh yeah, uh, the college football playoff. They 
came up with an extension yesterday, a six-year, $7.8 billion extension. Uh, ESPN will keep the rights to the college football playoff through 2031 and 2032. Slamming the door on Fox because there's always been chatter. Fox wanted to up their, you know, they were going to come in with a, you know, shout out to Will Wade, a strong-ass offer um, to get a piece of the college football playoffs. What it really does, too, is does ESPN become more and more just uh, associated with football more than anything else because of their, you know, involvement with the NFL, now college football. And the reason I bring that up is with the NBA deal going out to bid here, um, how how serious will ESPN be about that? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know because – I think you've seen uh, them prioritizing football. And, like, college football deserves to be more of a priority. Like, it, it kind of is true that college football fans are still kind of underserved when it comes to content. It's the second biggest sport. It's bigger than the NBA when you just look at viewers. I mean, uh, sure. it's, it's, it's football, and, and we love our football. But, like, you think about, you know, on ESPN, you, you get the NBA hour show, right? You get the – it used to be called The Jump when Rachel Nichols was on it. I don't know what it's called now. Maybe just NBA Today. NBA Today. Yeah. yeah. Like, you get that. And you get that even in the off season. You don't really get the hour-long college football show on there anymore, which is weird because, again, it's your second most popular sport. Yeah, the only guy who's got something is – and it's on more of a video podcast – is McElroy's Always College Football. He right. does it year-round. Right. And, like – should probably be covered a little bit better. So I do think this is ESPN kind of realizing, hey, football needs to be more of a, a focus and, yeah, college. And Now, Bob, would, would it says that, you know, the ESPN can sub-license these playoff games out. Like, would they not be able to do that to Fox? Maybe, like, and just get paid? Sure. Yeah, like, they kind of, you know, expand on that partnership a little bit if ESPN and Fox are going to kind of work together, if the SEC and Big Ten are going to kind of work together. Well, yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, too, from the standpoint, we have that whole other topic that's entered the conversation now of this, whatever this streaming service is, because both of those groups were going to be affiliated with right. that, too. But, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, yes, they could sublicense that out. That's That's been one of the things thrown around is that Fox may still try to dangle some money. Fox has always spent money. They don't, they're not shy about that. So if it's attractive enough to ESPN, I'm sure they'd be listening. Okay. Anything else, Sam? Um, just some more, some NFL news here. So I thought this was interesting. Uh, Vikings wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, uh, Tom Pelissero reported that he wants to know the team's future plans at quarterback before committing to a long-term contract. He's out of there. Said that he was preferring Kirk Cousins to stay in Minnesota, but that's a Minnesota team that's, you know, obviously had some kind of problems in terms of paying players. And Justin Jefferson is going to be quite the paycheck. Uh, and I don't know if you're going to be able to afford Kirk Cousins and, and Justin Jefferson together. I wonder, A, where Kirk Cousins ends up. Because, I mean, he hurt his Achilles and he's older. If you're Minnesota, like, do you feel like you're on the cusp of actually competing? Do you maybe, like, kind of use this as a chance to retool and find your quarterback of the future and trade for a Justin Jefferson? I don't know. Like, I mean, I feel like... What would Justin Jefferson be if he was on the market in terms of a trade? What what, what could he fetch back? Multiple firsts. Yeah. I mean, that's would, he, a, would, would he be worth the – That's players in multiple firsts probably. Would he be worth the number three pick for the Patriots? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. 
hundred percent. He's not worth the number one pick from and Chicago. And you'd have to pay him, too. I mean, like, obviously, you'd pay him if you trade for him. But, like, you're giving up all that capital and then giving him 120-plus extension. Is he worth the number one pick overall? If you're Chicago? If you already, and you have, like, the number I mean, eight pick shoot, as well? Yeah. yeah, I would say so. Again, is Fields good enough? We've been having that conversation. <laughs> you'd, yeah. you'd figure it out real yeah, quick if exactly. you've got DJ Moore and Justin Jefferson as your top two receivers. Yeah, right. I'm just wondering, like, if he hit the market, like, what he would actually be worth. I think he's I mean, like AJ Brown was worth what a first round pick. Yeah, well, now you can argue that's why John Robinson yeah. got fired. But like <laughs> AJ Brown was a top ten receiver. He wasn't number one. I think Jefferson would be worth more than the number one pick. I think it would have mm-hmm. to be more than that. The Titans swapped first and got a third. I, I'm gonna push back. I, I don't think he's worth the number one pick, and I don't think he's worth more than the number one pick. I just think a quarterback's just gonna always be worth more. And like the the chance to draft Caleb Williams, I think, is worth more than a, you know, almost any wide receiver. Especially to get a quarterback at, at a cheap deal, number one might be a little a little crazy. But like, like number eight from Chicago, if, it, if they gave number eight like a, a first round pick next year, like that, you know, that could solve your problem with Marvin Harrison Jr. You don't you don't have to worry about drafting him. You just take Justin Jefferson. I don't know, but like if you're him, yeah, you don't want to like go through the season you went through again where you're catching passes from Josh Dobbs and and two other backups and Kirk Cousins is in and out and hurt and maybe he even leaves and. They don't have a guy at all. I'd trade him if I would, if I had the option. Yeah, and it and it and actually, the more I think about it, the Bears probably wouldn't be the you know same division. All this other stuff, sure. it'd probably be one of these other teams, like you said, maybe New England or Washington or something. Like Arizona had picks at what number four? Arizona would be interesting. Get him a wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're kind of committed to Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler was actually pretty good, I thought, yeah. last year when he got from injury. Like, I thought he was pretty solid and seemed mature. Like, you didn't have the – you know, they weren't a factor, but you didn't have the stories about his gaming. You know, yeah. the video game stuff is kind of dead. And, like, you know, it seemed like he had been a little bit more mature. Got to do a little housekeeping. A couple of tweeters pointed out. I did ask. I, Doc Holliday was a real person. I remember that from whenever I was reading about the OK Corral, and I realized it was in Arizona, Tombstone, Arizona. I do know that that movie – I do know the movie Tombstone is actually, like, kind of real – or it's supposed to be real. I don't know if like you know how accurate it is or whatever, but I know it's supposed to be kind of a true story. I didn't know that. It's it's early sometimes, and I gotta be honest, I was a little disoriented from the Titans bill call. <laughs> I wasn't at my best, but I appreciate the tweeters for answering and saying, "Yeah, he's a dentist from Georgia." I didn't know that part. I don't think, but I did know that him and and Wyatt were real people because I have read about the OK Corral. Because again, I, I figured out it wasn't in Oklahoma. It was in Arizona, Tombstone. You know where the movie's at. But thank you. I, I, yeah, no, that's that's a lot to to carry in the morning. I mean, I, I I know my fair share of old movies and stuff, but that was that was beyond me, honestly. I was disoriented. Yeah, I was disoriented. I was Annie Oakley got thrown out there. I was like, wait, that doesn't add up to the timeline, at least for the way I think it went. I don't know. And anyways, Will Ward coming up at eight thirty to preview tonight's Tennessee basketball opponent. We'll talk some college hoops after the break to set the scene. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Making a better vodka soda ain't rocket science. You just gotta start with a better vodka. And then voila, you get a white claw vodka soda. Your taste buds are about to get a PhD in deliciousness. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. Try the all new white claw vodka soda. Pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors. Only 100 calories, 4.5% alcohol, and 2 grams of sugar. White Claw Vodka Soda. Please drink responsibly. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. 
few things annoy me more than, than people doing radio segments during the commercial break instead of doing it on air. But I found a new thing that annoys me more. It's two guys doing a radio segment <laughs> off the air that's about Indiana State basketball and their <laughs> loss last night. That's why we were doing it then. We don't think anybody cares. They should care. It's a great feel-good story, but... You know. I, I thought we had made it to where you guys were just texting each other about this, <laughs> and now I'm starting to get messages about it because people are now, I guess, I don't know if people are rooting against your your Indiana State team or, or what, but you know, I got a message last night, tough break for Bob and Sam's boys as they went down <laughs> to a 200-ranked team, a, a below 500 Illinois State, went and punked them at home. That yeah, was bad. This yeah. team you guys have been talking about got beat by 13 points at home by Illinois State? Yes, Okay, and this is the this is the narrative now. You know, I mean, nobody's you're not going to watch a game while we talk about it. But then you know they get ranked and everybody starts paying attention, and then they lose at home, and now it's like talking about how bad Indiana State. Hold is. Hold on a second. What's the fat boy's name? Avila. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He uh, went uh, two for ten last night. This guy that you guys have been. Uh, uh, yeah, Robbie Avila. It's everybody's Avila. got an off night. Uh, two for ten, six points. Everybody's got an off night. No, they don't. The not whole like team that. had an off night. Look at the look at the percentages. Yeah, they shot. 20% from three. It looked like, frankly, it looked a little like a Tennessee game in that regard. They were missing a lot of shots. You know what it looked like just from looking at the box score and not having watched a second of this game? <laughs> it looked like they partied all weekend about being ranked in the top 25 for the first time in 40-something years. That's what it looked like. That might be true. I mean, that might uh, be true. Yeah. It looked like they celebrated. They thought they had arrived. They thought they had made it. They were 17.5-point favorites, so you're right. They might have been feeling themselves a little too much there. Um, Welcome to Earth. Yeah. Yeah, that was rough. What else happened in college basketball last night? Seems to be a good result for Tennessee for North Carolina to lose another one. North Carolina, I don't want to say free-falling, but that's two out of their last three that they've lost. Yeah, I I, I saw the tail end of that game, and um, yeah, man, I, I that that's all good. Between Kansas losing the night before and then North Carolina last night, those are good developments, and it underscores – what Jerry Palm was saying to us yesterday, as much as we don't want to hear it, when we you asked the question of, you know, what's the difference for Tennessee being a two to a three or four seed, and he was like, it's there's no difference, basically, was his response. That there wasn't much of a head start. They don't have a lot of leeway between yeah. now and the end of the season yeah. holding on to a two seed. And I think there's proof of that with the way these teams are going down. They're all kind of one in the same. And, and he made the comment about Alabama, and it's true. You know, For North Carolina, that was their sixth loss last night. Uh, Tennessee has six losses. Alabama, which you know was going into conference play with, what, I think five losses. They only have seven now, so they're – they are creeping up as much as I it pains me to say it. They are they're they're right up there now. And the SEC bad for I said the North Carolina loss was was good for Tennessee, which I don't know how good you know maybe Tennessee and North Carolina switched spots. I think yesterday they were five and six with North Carolina being the top two seed and, and Tennessee being the second two seed. So maybe that flip flops. I would assume it would. But, yeah, the, the team that just beat your ass on Saturday, turn around, turning around and losing to Vanderbilt, when that happens, you can't call it a successful night. You can't say it was a success because that that cripples an A&M team that was trying to work their way into, you know, being a top 30 team to give Tennessee another chance at a, Quad one one here in a couple weeks, but 
Yeah, yeah, that was a bad loss. As Jerry Stackhouse and the boys got him a win. I don't know if I can call it a signature win, but got him a big win and, and beat a team that just, you know, had beaten down Tennessee. I, I didn't watch any of the game. I just saw the last second shot that won the game for Vandy. And, oh, my God. I, it just made me feel, honestly, that did. That made me feel horrible just from the perspective of, we're sitting there trying to rationalize what happened Saturday night, saying, hey, you know what? It's tough to win on the road, and it's, you know, A&M was hungry and desperate. Well, you know, Bob, you could say the opposite. A&M was on the road playing against a hungry and desperate team in Vanderbilt. It is tough to win on the road. Maybe it actually proved oh, our no. hypothesis. Vandy's horrible, man. Well, yeah. I know, but they were yeah. on the road, and, you know, there was a good 1,500 people at least in that crowd <laughs> from the pictures I saw. Yeah, and 1,500 actually, is... 1,500 might be pushing it. It might yeah. have been like seven or 800, but yeah. still, it was a very sparse crowd. But, hey, those courts on the sideline and, you know, just getting on the – you know, it's a similar trip. <laughs> it's a similar trip. Tennessee to College Station is not that different than College Station to Nashville. <laughs> Hopping on a plane and traveling as college kids and trying to, you know, balance school and, and all this, it, it can't be easy. As you saw last night, Texas A&M lost to Vanderbilt. Losing to Vanderbilt in general, Bob, is not that different than losing by 17. A and M, I guess it's not that different. Okay, convince yourself of that, but that's fine. <laughs> I mean, what, um, what was the spread last night? I imagine A and M was like what, like thirteen point favorites or so? Maybe I don't know. Uh, I'll find it out. I think it was a lot. No, more only than eight that. and a half, actually. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Tennessee was twenty points off the spread, and A and M was only nine off. I guess so. It was a little bit worse, but still, the traveling from Texas to Tennessee in the middle of a college a- academic calendar. I mean, that's asking a lot. How'd that freak rebounder do? Yeah, he had six boards, Anderson Garcia. What'd Wade Taylor the fourth do? He had 18. He was their leading scorer. Radford had 17. Those guys, they're, they're ballers. They can play. That was the most disappointing thing for me. We'll talk with Will Warren here just in a second, but that was the most disappointing thing for me Saturday. It was just I thought we had guards that could defensively stop other guards. We do have one, and he didn't play as much yeah. as he should have. But. Well, we're also supposed to have uh, the you know potential defensive player of the year in the SEC. That's what they keep telling me about Zakai. Just because he gets a couple back to court still is like, where was he at? So I feel like he would struggle with just like uber athletic guards. That's what I. That's like, what I, think I North saw. North Carolina was a game well, where it's I, like that. Like yeah, it's kind of rhetorical because like if you're struggling with the actual good guards, are you that good at defense? True. Yeah. Like, if you can't go out and get a stop and get somebody that can actually score, are you as good of a defender as we act? I'll say it. He looked physically overmatched Saturday night. Yeah. He yeah. did. He did. And, like, I, I've been saying it for years. I mean, like, there's a limitation to how good he can be defensively but just because yeah. guys can shoot over him. That's yeah. it. And I, I, I like the pesky backcourt defense, and I like the pokeaway steals. And, like, you know, those are, those are momentum plays, and they're handy when they come in. But, like, if you actually get him in half court, I just – I feel I feel like I've been gaslit by college basketball media and like the awards and stuff. I'm like, really? What defensive player of the year? What are we talking about? Nah, that I watched I, him fly by on eight pump fakes and have guys shoot wide open threes this year. I love him as my point guard. I do. I love him as my point guard. But I agree with you. I mean, there's there's limitations still. So and even Vescovi, I give credit to for being a pretty good defender too. And like to not have an answer between him and Josiah and Zakai and Meshack. And, you know, maybe Meshack deserved more minutes in the first half and that would have gone differently. But just to have those guards kind of shoot the lights out and go off on you, that was the most disheartening thing to me. Going on the road and shooting bad, okay, that happens. But 
the adage is supposed to be defense travels, right? Isn't that what they say? Yeah. Yeah. Defense travels. That is a good that's that is an adage I've heard. I drink a lot of white claw hard seltzer to forget about it responsibly. <laughs> All right, we'll talk with Will Warren, stats by Will coming up after the break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Bring on our friend Stats by Will. Statsbywill.substack.com. He's running a special right now, 25% off. I just quote tweeted the link on X. Support our friend who comes on and gives us 30 minutes of his time every week. Will, good morning. How are you, friend? Doing great. Just got done with the morning run. Uh, Looking forward to a nice 11.30 p.m. tip or whatever it is tonight. So, you know, doing pretty well. Yeah, I don't want to be that person that complains, but now that we do the morning show and I saw that it was a 9 p.m. tip, I was like, oh, no. I got to go well, tweet I about it. I will be it. the person who complains. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I got to go tweet about it because I remember I feel like I, the morning show that Three and Out used to always kind of talk about that. Okay, now, the torch. Yeah, now it's my course to Terry. Oh, God. Will, <laughs> what's your biggest takeaway from the A&M game from the weekend? Well, I think it was, Tennessee kind of got punched in the mouth early and not really by, I mean, like, you know, if A&M hit threes, whatever. So uh, there are people who were getting upset on X about, uh, you know, A&M hitting all those threes and saying, why don't you step out and guard them? Well, first off, I would much rather let a 26% three-point team shoot it than give up a bunch of layups. And, you know, Tennessee, out of 60 field goal attempts, A&M took 28 from three, after they started out 8-for-13, they went 3-for-15 the rest of the way. So, I mean, to me, they, they played that side fine, but being punched in the mouth to me means Tennessee got beat up on the boards a little, which I wasn't shocked A&M had success. I was shocked Tennessee did not. I thought Tennessee would be able to beat and bang with them a bit more successfully than they did. And, you know, the officiating didn't help, but... You know, teams were pretty even on the whole in free throw attempts, so I don't think that that was much a factor. It's just Tennessee on the road has, in the Kentucky game being the exception, has kind of shown the ability to like ease into a game. They don't really come out strong, I don't feel, usually. I would love to see them tonight buck that trend first five minutes you hit that first media timeout with like a four or five point lead is it fair to say that last year it was kind of similar with Tennessee on the road I feel like Tennessee wasn't a good road team last year either because I remember using the phrase that hey none of your NCAA tournament games are going to be on the road so you don't have to worry about this yeah I thought it was the same last year now last year obviously you didn't have a single game where you started off as well as you did on the road against Kentucky but you know Aside from that, I do think it's – I wouldn't say super alarming given literally every college basketball team struggles on the road this year. But at some point, you know, it's, so for A&M's pretty forgivable. But if you do that against Arkansas or, you know, God forbid, Mizzou next week, then I think you can really ring the alarm bells. Going back to the AM, A&M game, one last thing. So you, you mentioned the rebounding, and, yeah, that was something Coach Polinski was worried about heading into the game. That was something Bob had pointed out on Monday about how bad that was to me, the most alarming thing wasn't the rebounding. It was the point of attack defense. I, I was surprised that, you know, basically we couldn't control their guards 
Yeah, and, and some of that is, you know, they, to their credit, Buzz did a pretty good job of getting what I noticed is largely Radford getting matched up on Connect, and you really don't want Dalton in one-on-one situations against similarly sized guards. But, you know, to, to their credit, they did a good job getting those, uh, you know, one-on-one looks, and I won't be shocked if that happens in the tournament, but that's why I think, you know, going forward, you probably got to give Meshack more minutes. I know that offensively he runs hot and cold. He also, we don't really talk about, we talk about Awaka's foul issues a lot. We don't really talk about Meshack's as much. Like Meshack is, I believe, at four and a half fouls per 40 minutes, which is not really what you want from a guard slash wing type guy. But I, I think you got to live with it, you know. I'd rather, especially when Ganey's not hitting threes, I'd rather see Meshack get the 22 minutes than Ganey. I think you got to, Look at that option going forward. Meshack has point guard experience, so maybe you can give you know Zakai a little rest from time to time with that. Meshack is just you know pretty easily to me your best point of attack stopper. You've got Vescovy and James can do it, but they're not as versatile to me. Hey, well, on to Arkansas and tonight's game. It's kind of rare to see, at least in current or recent years, how Arkansas is just struggling this year. 12 and 11. Ken Palm ranking of 119. um, Just bad on a lot of levels. And I know this is a road game. We've talked about this. I think the spread on this game is Tennessee minus 8.5. I'm going to say it. Why why wouldn't Tennessee even have – why wouldn't they be a bigger favorite in this game? Is it, is it putting that much stock into Arkansas having the home court advantage, or do you think maybe it's a you know residue from what happened on Saturday night? I think it's honestly residue from 30 years of hell going to Arkansas. That, that arena, more than any other arena in SEC play in my lifetime for Tennessee, is the Murphy's Law Arena, <laughs> where anything that can possibly go wrong seems to. I've watched that team blow, you know, an eight-point lead with a minute and a half left. Watched some really good teams go in there and lose. Uh, But, you know, that being said, the three times Tennessee's been a favorite at Arkansas the last 25 years per team rankings, they've won, and generally won pretty handily. So uh, I wouldn't be – I'm a little surprised it's only eight and a half, but also not – you know, it does have a little bit of a feel of Arkansas's last stand of sorts to it. Of you know if we're going to make this if we're going to save some face this season this is probably the home game left on the schedule where we can do that because the remaining home games are Mizzou, Vandy, LSU. No one's going to care about those. This is their last big shot at the pie. So what's Arkansas' think problem this year? Well, it's it's multifold. So one, we really underdiscussed I think as a collective media group that this is the first time Musselman has ever in his career made it to year five at a job. So, and it's kind of applying similar logic that we do as UT in the tournament. If you do it enough times, it's going to work. If you do the portal thing enough times, eventually it's not going to work. And this year they've really misfired. The best guy they got is Tremont Mark from Houston. But you look at the rest of the roster and it's a bunch of just swings and misses like Jeremiah Davenport from Cincinnati has been very underwhelming L. Ellis coming over from Louisville, we thought that he'd adapt to not having to do as much, and he's been a lot worse. Khalif Battle came over from Temple. As of right now, he is the third worst two-point percentage shooter in the last 15 years in the SEC. And part of it is, you know, they swung and missed on that, but part of it, I think, is 
as I've kind of struggled with with Arkansas for years, the roster construction aspect. You didn't really go out and get much in the way of plus shooting aside from Mark and, you know, questionably battle. But, you know, Bart Torvik's side has this thing where you can sort by, you know, role. And you sort that you sort their roster by role right now. One thing you're going to notice, no point guard on this roster. The closest thing to it is Ellis because he played it at Louisville last year, but it wasn't like it was his natural position. The other thing you're going to notice, no power forwards, no wings. It's all it's a roster entirely made of shooting guards and centers. And like if your shooting guards and centers are good enough to overcome that, you can make it work, but their spacing is really bad. Their pick and roll coverage has been bizarrely bad and they struggle mightily getting back in transition. Yeah, I'm reading your preview right now in your Substack and you link to a story about Musselman and Louisville. Is that just inevitable at this point that Musselman maybe doesn't get the Louisville job, but that Musselman is gone after this year, and this is the last time Tennessee will probably have to play him at Arkansas? Yes. That, that's that been the buzz around not just media circles, but the few coaching people I know, too, is that it would be a genuine surprise if he's at Arkansas next year, whether it's Louisville or whether like USC opens, for example. Something like that he's probably gone for, but uh, I would have to think, you know, Louisville's willing to look past the one bad year and focus on the three or four good ones. Back to one of the players, we you did a great job summarizing the hits and misses on that team. One noticeable um, impact player that's no longer on the team was Devo Davis. Not that he necessarily brought that much statistically, but 30 minutes a game, and he was – you know, he 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 was kind of the bridge to the brighter days for the program, and I'd have to believe a bit of a leader. And he just abruptly left the program. I mean, um, do you feel that that's it, it, does that core coincide with kind of the slide that this team has had? Or you know, I know it was already underway, but do you think that just put a put just a brighter light on it, and just you know made this team that much more ineffective? Well, somewhat. No, I've I've never been a big fan of his offensively. I've thought his impact has been overrated for a really long time. But the the thing with him is more the defensive side. He is a nightmare defensively when he's on. He's got to be locked in. But like last year in the NCAA tournament, he was amazing against Illinois. Was amazing against Kansas. You know, two games where they needed him to come through as a veteran leader, and he did. You know, this year you look at the stats for SEC play, and the two things I notice immediately, he has three steals in SEC play, three out of ten games. He had four alone in the Illinois game in the tournament last year. The other thing I've noticed, his peak points in any game is eight, and that's despite playing 32-plus minutes four times. So he's, he's only really impressive or useful on offense when he's hitting threes this year he's not. He did. He did come back to the team. He played against Georgia and was okay. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. I thought he was done. He, he came back. He didn't start, and I'm. I would be kind of surprised if he starts this game. But he, he's he's back. I just don't think he's very effective. And you with when you have that guy on the court so often, you got to have plus shooters around him. And, like, you know, you look at this most recent game, Mark didn't attempt a three. The only guys who are attempting threes really are Ellis and Keon Menefield. And that's not really what I want to see from a successful 
SEC roster. The, the other big one that's missing here is Trayvon Brazil, who's got knee soreness, which I know I know in the NIL era, like injuries can still be injuries, but I can't help but wonder if this is an NBA thing, given that he's lot, he's been widely projected as like an early second-round pick, and that was after starting the season as a low-end first-rounder. So I kind of wonder if he's sitting out to save his stock. As you've gone back and you've watched some Arkansas film and kind of broken down their games and got your opponent preview up at statsbywill.substack, or is it statsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstatsstat
hard and strange to prep for. 24 points per game does kind of feel about right for him in SEC play. And, you know, I think expecting him to go 36, 39, 32, 31 every time out might have been a bit much. But honestly, if you get 22, 27, 25, most games you're going to be really happy. I mean, Tennessee has not had that in years. Tennessee locks in at least a two seed down the stretch. Are you confident, worried, or you don't know? I'm going to go confident. I don't I don't want to put it as like a lock by any means, but if you had to rate it on like a one to ten scale, I'd say I'm at an eight that they get a two seed or better. They you get a you get a pretty easy, you know, quote unquote for SEC play stretch of games coming up. And then those final four or five could all be quad one games. That's where you can solidify your resume. You gotta go at least three and one in the final four to me to lock in a two seater better, but I'm pretty confident they can do that. And it's really helping that teams around them are kind of, frankly, not really doing their job, like Kansas getting trashed on the road, North Carolina losing to a Syracuse team, Tennessee beat by 17, and so on. Like, they're, the teams around them that are battling for the same spots are not exactly doing themselves any favors. All right. Well, this is this will be off Tennessee topic. But oh, my God. This is so Sam and I, John doesn't like this, but we were lamenting a stats by Will, one of the stats by Will darling teams, Indiana State. They they hit the wall last night. Did you get to see any of that horrible? I didn't. Occurrence? I saw the, I followed on the, uh, the ES, or well, no, the score app. I've dropped ESPN from my apps, but they, uh, it happens. You know, you're, if you're in one of those mid major conferences, eventually you're going to get got. And, Unfortunately for them, they got got. But I, I don't think like their dream of being good enough for an at-large is done by any means. The dream's still alive, John. I'm telling you. They read their press clippings. They, they read their hype too much. They all got online and was reading about themselves, and they had girls and guys messaging them and tweeting them, telling them, them how great they were on Instagram. And that's what happened. Will, your biggest key to the game tonight for Tennessee, and then I'll let you go. Don't get in foul trouble. I think it's that simple. Because Arkansas, number nine in America in free throw rate, you stay out of foul trouble. I really don't know what the path is for Arkansas to hang in this game. Statsbywill.substack.com. He's offering 25% off right now if you use the link that he tweeted out. I've quote tweeted it if you are on X. Statsbywill.substack.com. Statsbywill on X. You can follow him. Appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me on. Um, I guess we can just go to the top of the hour here. Yeah, what I was going to say is there's, there's obviously the Tennessee game tonight. There's another big SEC game tonight, South Carolina at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, and what surprises me, again, if you're – boy, if you're a South Carolina fan, if you're Lamont Paris, they got Auburn as an 11.5-point favorite. I mean, I know Auburn's a hard place to play at, but, man, again, it feels like South Carolina is not getting much respect. 11 and a half point spread? Yeah. I've tried to quit gambling, but I know that seems crazy. I'm trying to detox after the Super Bowl and just kind of enjoy the offseason and, <laughs> you know, focus on, on personal growth and <laughs> spiritual growth and all those things. But 11 and a half point spread? Is What's Auburn on? coming off a loss? What? Yeah. 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 I guess Florida. They got yeah. dominated at Florida, but like. 
Sometimes that doesn't always work where, hey, a team's going to be super motivated after a loss. Sometimes yeah. that doesn't work. Sometimes a team that, like, just finds a way to win and, and keeps grinding out these wins actually has the confidence. Like, South Carolina was, what, 13.5-point dogs, 13-point dogs here in Knoxville? Yeah, 13.5, yeah. And, like, even if Tennessee would have won, at no point did you really feel like Tennessee was going to cover that game. No. I, I remember I was very I, – I certainly thought Tennessee would win. I had no confidence in them covering that. I thought that was a lot. They've only gotten blown out once in conference play, and that was the Alabama. second one of the year against Alabama. Yeah. yeah. What was the score of that game? Ooh. 74 to 47. Yeah, they yeah. Alabama ran them yeah. out. But Everything but, else besides that, their losses have been five, six-point losses. But think about that. Alabama, even Alabama, they ran them out, but they only had 74 points for you know a pretty high-octane Alabama team. So it sounds like South Carolina may have failed more offensively in that one. I never saw it, but – Auburn's the number four defense in the country. Uh, I just – I don't know, man. That just seems like a lot. No, it does. It does. What's the money line? That's a good question. Might just fade Bruce. <laughs> Might just fade Bruce and just trust Lamont to go down there and get it done. 11 and a half. Yeah, that's cool. But what is it, like, going to be like plus 400 on the old money line? Plus 520. Plus 520? Oof. I'm not dabble on that. Make my Valentine's Day real special. <laughs> Let's go Cox. Cox on Valentine's Day. Let's ride. It's crazy, though. You know, you look at Ken Palm, Texas A&M, even after that Vanderbilt loss, they're still two spots ahead in Ken Palm of South Carolina. Yeah. It's crazy. You can get 25 to 1, Sam, on a Cox and Hogs Valentine's Day parlay. Ooh. Ooh. 25 to 1. <laughs> Synonymous. Just keep an eye on it. I'd be surprised if Tennessee lost on the road to Arkansas. Because if you're buying in the whole, like, hey, Auburn's coming off a loss. Well, Tennessee got punked, too. And they're going up against a team that does look like it's quit. It does look like it has given up and not not really uh, focused on the future there either when you look at Musselman. Like, it it looks like the whole program's quit. Like, that's what I keep saying. Like, it, it, he's checked out, too. He's on his way out as well. So I don't know like how motivated they're going to be. It's an 8 p.m. tip, but it's also Valentine's Day. Like I can't imagine what your lover would say if you told them like, "Hey, let's go watch the 12 and 10 Arkansas Razorback game tonight at 8 o'clock." For I don't know if there's a whole lot of romantic things to do in Fayetteville, though. <laughs> I've never been. I don't know, but I just stay at home and watch a movie. <laughs> Go eat. They gotta have a Texas Roadhouse there in Fayetteville. Go to the Roadhouse and eat some rolls. I don't know. I just can't imagine. And that's from the either way. If a, if a, if a woman came to me and was like, "Hey, let's go to the Arkansas game, honey," I'm like, "No, I'm good. Let's stay home." You ever been to Fayetteville? I have not. I've only driven through Arkansas on the way to Texas. I believe it's the check out that, it, that would line up right to go from Memphis to to Texas. You'd go down through Arkansas, right? Yeah, I feel like I swept through Little Rock for a little bit. That's it. That's the only time I had been there. Well, I've been, I was there for a family wedding, and um, it, it reminded me a lot of Knoxville, quite honestly. But it, from everything I've heard, that's my only time in Arkansas is up in northwest Arkansas. I've heard the rest of the state is pretty rough. Like, Yeah, Cody always said the same thing, but it said that Fayetteville was kind of a nice town. Yeah. yeah, I, I think it. I might go to the game at Arkansas. This for year for football? Yeah. A lot of my family's from Little Rock, but 
I've never been to Fayetteville in all my years that I've visited Arkansas in my time. If you're going to the basketball game, you probably need to leave now. <laughs> I'm not going to that one. Yet. Yeah, so, so the football one, okay. That would be a good check off the SEC road yeah. list and also should get a win. Kind of one that you don't normally go to all right. the time, you know, like. Although I guess that's going to change the ideas that, that changes, you know, when the right, schedule changes, rotate, you'll have more opportunities. But you got to imagine that it'll be just as good of a chance as you'll probably ever have to go into Arkansas and win. I'd imagine Tennessee will go in there as 10-point favorites or so by the time it comes to it. So, yeah, it might be a good time to get down there and, and watch that game and get a road win. Okay. When you go to uh, Fayetteville, you need to get a – they're big down there, a kolache. Kolache. It's like a pastry. Huh. They're uh, – of Russian origin, but they're very, oh, very big in, is. like, Texas and Arkansas. For is that basically just, like, a hot dog, like, wrapped up in, like, a croissant or something like that? It could be, or it can be sweet stuff, too, like, okay. you know. Why the hell has Russian culture infiltrated Arkansas I, I and Texas? Has... I, I have no idea. Or, yeah, it's Russian or Chechen or something like that, but, yeah. Don't put off your dental visits any longer. <laughs> Dr. Stephen Malone and his staff take pride in listening to and communicating with their patients to help them make the best decisions about their dental health. We're talking Knoxville Smiles. You could smile with Knoxville Smiles. From routine dental cleanings to wisdom teeth removal, restorative procedures, veneers, implants, they can do it all at Knoxville Smiles. Contact them at 865-539-1776. That's 865-539-1776. If you're a little unsure... And want to familiarize yourself with their facility. You can take a tour of it at KnoxvilleSmiles.com, located in West Knoxville. KnoxvilleSmiles.com. Hour two in the books. What do you, what do you got for us in hour three, Bob? We'll do a little uh, overrated, underrated. Okay, nice. Lovely. It's always fun. And uh, a little NFL. Little NFL, yeah. We okay. still talk a little NFL, so we got a few things to talk about. We we had some caller activity today. That was nice. Uh, so if anybody wants to call in and talk about tonight's game or Tennessee versus the NCAA, any of that stuff, we're we're here for it. Uh, and a quick housekeeping note before we hit the break, and this is tied to basketball with Tennessee too, um, because again we talked about this late night game in Fayetteville. The team travels back pretty much overnight. Um, we will not be having Coach Polinski on tomorrow. He needs to get a little bit of beauty rest, and I get that. So uh, we'll uh, we'll still be recapping the game in a proper way tomorrow, but it will be without Coach. All right, hour three coming at you. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. <laughs> 